Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. This week's episode features Gelong Tupton. Gelong Tupton has been a Buddhist monk for the last 24 years and he offers mindfulness and Tibetan meditation to businesses, hospitals, schools, universities, prisons and addiction counselling centres all over the world. He's worked with companies such as Google, LinkedIn, Lloyds Bank, HSBC, Deutsche Bank, Siemens, Accenture, Link Ladders, NHS, Clifford Chance, Facebook, and he even was a meditation consultant on the Marvel's latest movie, Doctor Strange, where he trained actors in meditation techniques while they were filming. This is a really profound conversation. We dive deep into compassion and forgiveness, and we look at Tupton's unique approach to mindfulness and why it's storming the globe. This week's podcast is sponsored by Lifecycle. Lifecycle are Australia's leading medicinal mushroom growers. They're focused on solving global issues using mushroom biotechnologies. Lifecycle's magic mushroom ranges enable and enhance states of well-being in delicious and convenient drinks. My personal experience with medicinal mushrooms is that in the last four years that I've been taking medicinal mushrooms as a health supplement in my morning tonics, I have not been sick for the last four years. My personal favourites are Shaga, Reishi, Cordyceps and Lion's Mane. A little bit about them. Shaga is great for your immunities. Reishi is great to recover and de-stress. Uh, Lion's Mane is great as a nootropic. And Cordyceps, great for performance. At the moment, the guys at Lifecycle have been, they've been so generous, so kind. They're really supporting the work that the Inspired Evolution is doing and they love the vibe that we're all about. So they're offering the listeners of the Inspired Evolution 15% off anything that you want to order from Lifecycle. So 
I'm completely humbled by this generous offer of theirs. So find your way to their website, check out what's on offer. Again, my favorites are Shaga, Reishi, Lion's Mane, and Cordyceps, and get yourself 15% off. 15% off comes with a discount code with the name Amrit, A-M-R-I-T, my first name. Chuck that in there, upgrade your health, look after yourself, and tune into a yummy conversation here. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and it is such a treat to be here today. We have the vibes from none other than Gelong Tubton. How are you? I'm great, thanks. It is such a pleasure to have you here today. For those tuning in to Gelong Tubton for the first time, he became a Buddhist monk 25 years ago at the Kagyu Samian Ling. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, in Scotland, it's Europe's oldest and largest Buddhist monastery. Um, he has spent over seven years in intensive meditation retreats, and uh, the longest of which was actually four years in seclusion on a Scottish island. He specializes in teaching mindfulness and meditation internationally all around the globe. He does this for businesses, hospitals, schools, universities, prisons, and addiction counseling centers. Um, He works with major clients, some of which you may know, such as Google, LinkedIn, Lloyd's Bank, um, HSBC, Deutsche Bank, Siemens, Accenture, uh, the NHS, and has even lectured at uh, Facebook HQ. Um, He does not get paid. All funds go to charity for building meditation tra- uh, training centers to benefit the people around the world. Um, Tupton was a meditation consultant, I love this, <laughs> on the set of Marvel's latest movie, Doctor Strange, where he trained uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Tilda Swinton in meditation techniques while they were filming. He has lectured on Buddhism and meditation at the universities of Oxford, Helsinki, and Cardiff, as well as for Mind Valley. He teaches in several schools and is often interviewed by the world's media. He designs and delivers mindfulness programs for the fourth-year medical students at the National University of Ireland, and he has lectured at Parliament on the Channel Islands. He's literally just wrote a, book, uh, a bestseller book, which has just come out. It's called How to Be a Human international bestseller and he's actually working on his second book now i'm not sure if i meant to say that but here yeah. we are <laughs> second book's also on its way so stay peeled for that um and yeah uh how to be a human was co-authored by ruby wax and a neuroscientist and he also runs meditation centers in the uk so there is so much going on there <laughs> <laughs> it is such a gift to have you here today. thank you thank you thank you so much for your time and uh yeah, I, I feel really um, really inspired because I'm, I mean, I guess to put it quite humbly is someone weaving uh, a life around meditation and sharing the wisdom around meditation um, is completely inspiring my evolution. So an absolute treat to be Thank here you. today. I'd love to, let's, I like to start it usually quite lighthearted, but let's go into it a little bit. Um, how did, how did this become like, how did Tupton become the meditator and then the, the spreader of Yeah, the so actually, when I was growing up, I wasn't really interested in meditation at all. Uh-huh. I'm I mean, surprised. I, 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 mean, I grew up in, it, it's a Buddhist family. My parents are Buddhist, mm. but there wasn't ever any, they, they never sort of showed me how to meditate. Mm. The, I never did it. I, I just believed in it to the back of my head. Yeah. But I was just a normal, normal child and teenager. And in fact, when I, in my late teens, I kind of went off the rails. I got really wild and yeah. was living a really kind of party lifestyle and kind of burning the candle at both ends. Uh-huh. And I was living in New York. I grew up in London and then I moved to New York and I was an actor. And I was so stressed and so unhappy and mm. so unhealthy. And I kind of had a, like a meltdown through stress. I mean, it was very dramatic. I, I thought I was having a heart attack and I was really, really unwell. And in that state, um, 
I just knew I had to do something to to get my life back together. Mm. Uh, I was ill for about six months. And for about two of those months, I couldn't get out of bed. Mm. And during that time being ill in bed, my mother was looking after me and she had all these books about meditation. Ah. So I was grabbing these books and reading them. And this stuff was just sinking in. And I was thinking, yeah, everything is, is, it's about the mind. And if you transform the mind, that's it. That's what it's all about. And I, so I was reading these books about Tibetan Buddhist meditation and mm. then synchronicity. You know, a, a close old friend of mine was there and she said, there's a Tibetan Buddhist monastery in the mm. UK where you can go and you can be a monk just for a year. Yeah. And then that will maybe help you. So I thought, okay, that's doable a mm. year. Yeah. And I went, uh-huh. I just went for it and I got my health got a little bit better enough to travel. And I went there to Sami Ling in Scotland and I think it was three days later and I was a monk. You know, after three days, they shaved, I had long hair, they shaved my head, I became a monk, but only for a year. So it didn't feel like a huge commitment. It felt almost like, like rehab or something, yeah. you know, and something where I could just get my health together, get my head together, and then sort of go back to my old yeah, it's life. Definitely more palatable that that than was like, the plan. Yeah. But of course, it didn't work out like that because <laughs> the whole thing kind of got under my skin. And after um, after being there for about nine or ten months, I thought, no, this is something. I was studying Buddhist philosophy. I was learning to meditate. I felt this is something I want to go deeper with. So mm-hmm. I decided to stay another year. Amazing. And during my second year, I went into retreat for uh-huh. nine months. Right. And during that nine-month retreat, I was completely alone in a room meditating all day and doing a lot of fasting. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, physical purification and also sort of mental purification. And during that time, I started to think, actually, I'm going to stick with this. I, I want to yeah. be a uh, – because I was like a novice monk. I want to be a full, fully ordained monk for my whole life. I'm going to mm-hmm. just dedicate my life to this. Because I got the sense that – it's healthy for me, but it could be healthy for others too. If mm. I, I could maybe live a life more of service. Yeah. You know, I'd been very driven by ego before that, mm. very driven by wanting, um, loads of material things and just kind of ego satisfaction. And I was starting to see that I, it was not possible for me to play that game anymore. It didn't, it didn't feel healthy or, um, the right thing for me to do. So I wanted to do something of, to do with compassion, mm. helping others. And I could see that being a monk would, would be the best way to do that for me. I'm not mm. recommending it for everyone, <laughs> but for me. And so I stayed after, I think after being a, like a short-term monk for about three or four years, I took life vows, which means you take a vow that you'll be a monk for your whole life. Mm. And I've got to say, my friends thought I'd really lost it. <laughs> they, they, thought, they, thought, they thought I'd joined a cult or something and needed yeah. to be rescued. And... My family were t- totally supportive because right. they understand what Buddhism is and they, they felt very, yeah. very good about it. And then my friends came around to it after I'd been in it for a few years and they could see that it's healthy and happy and it's not, not a weird thing at all. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I, I've now been a monk for 25 years mm. and that's more than half my life. You know, I was only 21 when I became a monk. <gasps> Wow. And so I've forgotten what it's like to wear jeans and <laughs> all these robes for so many years. And yeah, it's it's been a real journey and it still is. I mean, I'm still learning more. I, I teach now, but I'm also learning. It's a, yeah. you know, keep studying, keep practicing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Amazing. There's definitely something in there about um, something I want to reflect is you just mentioned it's been so long that, you know, since the last time you wore jeans, perhaps, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I I find that fascinating because I not, you know, not that it's a comparison game or anything, but um, on some level, I really appreciate the way you deliver your messages time and time again, because they're so relevant. Um, you really have a, have a have a way of making mindfulness now, mm. <laughs> you know, even though it is all about the now. Mm. Um, but like, even just when you're referencing from like from the talks you give, you know, it's it's very referenced with like the impact that social media has on our mm. lives and how it's, you know, even some of the metaphors are social sure. media oriented. Sure. And it's it's not like this um, in need of a better word, um, archaic. You sure. Know, even sure. though the wisdom is obviously yeah. timeless, mm. um, but you have this real way of blending the, the, the wisdom into the, today's present age. Thank you. And I think that's important. I, I think what, what I'm dealing with is this ancient wisdom from the Buddhist tradition, but it's always relevant in modern times because mm-hmm. it's about the nature of consciousness. Mm-hmm. But then the way I explain it is very true. I try to weave in modern examples and neuroscience, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, my own um, so history with teaching is that I had been in the monastery for about, um, I don't know, five or six years, and the head of the monastery asked me to start giving talks. Mm. And those talks were really in a Buddhist situation in the monastery and some of our centers, talks about Buddhism, the history of Buddhism, meditation. And I was doing that quite a lot, but then I started to feel a real, a real feeling I wanted to get out into the world and help people um, not trying to preach Buddhism. Mm. I've never, ever wanted to try and like, convert the world to Buddhism. Buddhism's not even really a religion like that. Mm. It's more just a philosophy or a way of thinking. And the aim is not to go around spreading that message as a Buddhist mm. idea, but the aim is to help people to meditate, help mm. people to transform their minds and regardless of religious belief. So what I did was I, I was working in a, a teaching at a center in Wales. Um, we have a center in Cardiff. And I said to the center there, um, just contact the local prisons and ask them if they need any help. You know, I'm a monk. I can come in and talk to people. And that's how it started. Mm. I started to teach mindfulness in the prisons. And this was also way before mindfulness became the thing. You know, Trendy, now, yeah. Well, now everyone's doing it. But in those yeah. days, Hashtag 20, mindfulness. <laughs> 20 years ago, they didn't use the term mindfulness. So I was calling, calling it meditation. Mm. But I was explaining it in a very simple, grounded way, which mm. people could understand. Yeah. And I was working with prisoners and then drug rehab centers. And then slowly also the corporate world started to get interested. Yeah. And since then, apart from times when I've kind of gone into retreats, I've basically been constantly giving these courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I say to people is, you know, I do understand what it's like to be busy mm. and stressed and have too much on my plate. Yeah. And I'm in that world mm. traveling. I've got my phone and my computer <laughs> and catching flights and all of that. So it's relevant and modern. And yeah. I'm living that fast paced life mm. with people, but showing them how mindfulness can sort of calm you down and mm. keep you, keep you stress free or more focused and more happy. I really appreciate yeah. that. It's it's such a it's such a gift, and to be honest, like the word that comes to mind is refreshing as well. You mm. know, it's a it's really because um, we were talking about this before a little bit before the podcast started, but also just you know things are 
you know, sometimes uh, doctrine can be too polished and mm. then it's really hard to relate to. Mm. But mm. having those those examples which mm. are like, you know, directly relatable, it's like, mm. well, you know, you've got your phone and you can yeah. relate to those examples. Yeah. It, it makes it um, easy to access. It's important because yeah. we're talking about human consciousness, human experience. So you've got to make it relatable for people so that mm. they think, yeah, that that relates to me. I can get, I can see that. Mm. So I'm teaching busy school teachers and doctors and uh, parents with lots of kids or kids themselves. Mm. And yeah, I'm a monk. So at first they might think, oh, he's a bit unrelatable. But mm. as soon as I start giving these examples yeah. and talking about the, the mind, then they, they relax and they, they, they realize this is a universal thing that everyone can understand. I love that. So there's this idea of the mind, and you say you mentioned before when you were in on, on this, um, you went into seclusion, basically yeah. isolation. You know, there was this physical cleansing, but also this mental cleansing. Yeah. Obviously, subsequent to that, you made your decision. Mm. But you know, can you describe like what what was going on there, like when you you know when you start clearing yourself physically, mm. but also the mental and the relationship between the two, and then consciousness, and mm. there's a there's an interconnection amongst all these things. So there's a a few things there so retreats i mean i've done retreats of many lengths i've done short retreats and then um, the longest retreat i did was four years long that's really long it's <laughs> <That's> really long <laughs> and, and retreats when they're long like that uh, or even in a few months it's not particularly it's not an escape mm. and it's not even that relaxing it's kind of hard work mm. you have a really heavy schedule you're up at early in the morning you get up at four or whatever and you doing meditation for 12, 13, 14 hours a day with, with, with little gaps, obviously. You do sessions, and you're working on your mind. It feels like you're um, plowing a field mm. and, and trying to work with your mind and make it more flexible and more pliable. And you're kind of working with your thoughts and emotions and seeing them for what they are and trying to become less controlled by them. Mm. So it feels a little bit, at times it feels like you're sort of digesting your history because mm. a lot of memories come up, right. like childhood memories and things that happened in your life that you maybe haven't processed and now they come up really fully and you having to work through them. Mm. So it feels like a detox but of course, we all know that a detox can make you feel a little bit sick. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you get the flu and yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. I wasn't in the corner throwing up or anything, but yeah. it, it it was heavy. Mm. Yeah, and you feel like it's it's like having surgery or something. Mm. But it's very, very um, healing and transformative at the same time. You talk about the past, and this is something I definitely wanted to have a chat to you about today, was um, the idea of forgiveness yeah. and how important that is to yeah. us. Um, it's something I definitely have my own challenges mm. with, um, you know, and especially a lot of the people I work with as well, and time and time again it comes up um, that forgiveness is, it's it's difficult to let go. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, that's the, the subject which most people are really interested to hear more about when mm. I give talks the talks on forgiveness are the most um, well attended. Actually, mm. everyone everyone's struggling with that because we're living in a really stressful world, and a lot is happening. And people are stressed; they take out their stress on each other. People are behaving towards each other in a way that's maybe less um, positive than it mm. could be. So we upset each other, we hurt each other, and then there's the whole process of forgiving ourselves. Also, mm. when we do something that's unskillful forgiving others so it's really necessary now more than ever and also on on a on a kind of international scale 
because we're so much more in touch with what's happening around the world, mm. which is good and bad in that we're like a global community now. That's great. Mm. But the downside is that we're constantly seeing dreadful things that happen in the news all the time. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly feeling angry mm. that this politician has done this or that government has done that or this terrible injustice is happening in this country. So it's we, we kind of feel that we, we're burdened with a kind of toxic rage sometimes or holding on to stuff. And of course, mindfulness, meditation, it's all about letting go. It's all about, well, one thing is about being present. Mm. The more you can um, connect yourself to the present mo moment, the less powerful your past becomes. For sure. But I don't think you're denying your past. Mm. It's not like suppressing it or just ignoring it. It's more that you're just more interested in the present. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're finding more connection with the present. Mm. And in this moment, you are this person right now. Mm. The, the person you were 20 years ago, all the cells in your body have changed. It's a different person. Yeah. But somehow our mental attachment to that continuum that we think is a self mm. creates this feeling of, oh, this happened to me and that happened to me. And yes, it did to a certain extent. But also in this moment, we are just here right now, fresh, as if mm. for the first time. And can we enjoy that mm. instead of letting this be somehow ruined by the shadow of the past? Mm. So that's one thing, there's just being present. But then also there's, there's kind of work that we can do around thinking of the people who hurt us yep. or upset us or people we reject or blame and maybe thinking about them differently, maybe thinking about them from a more mindful perspective. Like I would describe a mindful perspective as where you kind of take yourself out of, almost out of your ego and look at it from a more wise position and you think, okay, this person did or said this because of their own struggle, mm. because of their own sadness, their own trauma. Mm. And they're, they're, they're controlled by those inner impulses of negativity within themselves. So maybe I don't need to feel they were kind of out to get me. I was just in the way. Mm. And they, they dumped their stuff on me. They didn't know where else to put it. Right. right. And I don't mean that, that, I don't mean you're condoning what people do or somehow just letting yourself be abused, but you're just softening that edge of blame mm. and having a kind of compassion, kind of understanding of the human condition. Mm. What's ringing in the back of my ear is uh, hurt people, hurt people. Exactly. Yeah. And we do that too, don't we? Totally. You know, I, I, I sit and I think about maybe people who've hurt me and then I try and think, well, I've hurt people too. And mm. when I'm hurting somebody, I'm not sitting there making plans to hurt them. Yeah. You know, I don't course. sit there kind of drawing up blueprints. How am I going to hurt this person? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it just happens because I'm, I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm stressed. I'm tired. Mm. And I say stuff. And then I think, Oh, why did I say stuff? So mm. they probably had the same reaction to their own yeah. pain. Mm. It just came out and they didn't know what they were doing. Mm. So it's about accepting the human condition, but without becoming a doormat, because I don't mean we should just go around letting people abuse us. Of course. But maybe we can let go of that sense of rage and mm. move on more easily. Yeah, that blame, blame has such rage, a charge yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something that you touched on in there as well. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> um, is also compassion. And yeah. uh, this uh, this completely um, blew the lid on something when I, when I saw you speak just the other day, which was... Um, 
you know, the, the it's so subtle yet it's so profound. I love this uh, empathy versus compassion. Mm. That was mm. I, I just. I'm interested in that because, well, for a start, I'm, of course, I'm very interested in compassion. That's uh, the center of mindfulness training. Yeah. It's not just about stress reduction or increased performance at work. It's really about becoming a more compassionate person mm. and becoming more more loving and more kind to mm. oneself and others. I mean, that's really the aim of all, all spiritual paths, isn't it? Mm. Um, but I'm really interested in how we define compassion. And what do, when you say the word compassion, what do people think? Do they think it means just feeling sorry for people? Mm. Or does it, is it, does it feel like you're being weak? Mm. Some people think compassion means you're weak or, or, or you're pitying people. Mm. People have all these different definitions of it. And I think one thing is, is many people experience compassion, but it's more a kind of empathy where they're sort of feeling what other people feel and they're almost drowning in that feeling. Mm -hmm. And you're suffering too, you know? Yeah. And I'm really interested in the neuroscience of this. So there's a neuroscientist uh, in Germany called Tanya Singer who's done amazing research on the brain when it's experiencing empathy versus mm -hmm. compassion. Compassion being where you're actually meditating on the intention to free others from suffering. So you're building that, that network in your brain around intentional action. Mm. Empathy is where you see somebody suffering and you just feel miserable because of it. And then two people are suffering. You haven't helped anybody. Mm. Like drowning with the person. Compassion yeah. is... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Like learning to swim, so you can then go and be a lifeguard mm. and actually help people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that absolutely fascinating because um, I think again and again I've shown up empathetic, but also felt zonked because of it. You know? Well, yeah, it's very draining, isn't it? Mm. And so people, especially working in caring professions, experience mm. that sort of compassion fatigue, mm. burnout. I work with quite a lot of doctors and nurses and. They talk about how they're, I mean, they're naturally compassionate people. You, mm. If you take on that kind of career, you do have a feeling of wanting to heal people, help them when they're sick. But then the stress takes over and the empathy of feeling their pain all the time just makes you feel so drained. Mm. So I try to introduce compassion meditation for the, for the, for people where you're, you're spending time, um, building what, what you could even call unconditional compassion with no limits. Mm. I mean, that sounds like a very vast mm. idea, and it is, of course, but we can work towards that through meditation, which means 
reducing self-interest and just opening the heart and developing that sense of expanded compassion that becomes more more like who you are rather than just a feeling that comes and goes. Mm. In that process, there's a massive dissolving of the eye. That's the point. Which is, yeah. uh, like, to be honest, uh, I found, like, I've been working with meditation for at least six or seven years mm. now, and even in that quick process that we went through, I found it overwhelming. Mm. You know, just, um, like, just not to not to go too far into it, but perhaps just to, like, take on, you know, just the perspective of compassion and mm. to breathe in perhaps a little bit more suffering mm. and then to breathe out mm. like love. Mm. And, you know, like normally every other meditation practice I've interfaced with is quite the reverse. Mm. You know, it's like to to breathe in, you know, healthy white light mm. and let go of your tensions. Mm. You know, it's mm. like breathe in what serves you and let go what no longer does, yeah. you know. And to do that in reverse, yeah. um, there was just even just the sense of I was like, mm. oh, yeah. what? What? <laughs> it's quite radical, isn't it? Uh, we, totally. We were doing this technique where you're almost uh, willing to take on the pain of others, but but you are transforming it because in that meditation we visualized white light inside ourselves that was and... that was purifying the suffering and sending it out as joy. So it's not that you're just breathing in everyone's pain and becoming sick, and that's the fear, isn't it? Mm. That you, but that's not it. It's about transformation, but it is challenging to the, the ego. Compassion is, is really, it's a, it, it's a challenge to this sense of self-preservation. You know, we put up all these walls around ourselves, mm. and the idea of reaching out beyond those walls is really scary because we think we might lose something. You know, we think we, if we're too kind to others or if we're just totally in service, mm. there's this little voice that says, what about me? Mm. And what will happen to me? And will I be okay? And that's, that's, that's very understandable. The ego has this real sort of self-protective mechanism. But the really powerful thing is when you examine that and you ask yourself, well, the more I come from a place of self, actually, does anybody benefit? Mm. When I come from a place of, of self, self-interest, self-centeredness, nobody's happy. The others are not happy. And I'm also not happy because my, my selfish side is just insatiable. Mm. It, ne, ne, things are never good enough. I always mm. say that, that being enslaved to yourself is like being enslaved to a boss who's never happy with your work. Whatever you do, they're not happy. Mm. It's not good enough. Yeah. I want more. Mm. I want more. The, the self is this kind of insatiable, illogical, impossible entity that <laughs> we carry around that, according to Buddhism, doesn't even exist. It's like a, <laughs> a, a, a sort of illusion. And... Yeah. The Buddhist idea is actually that that we're all interlinked, we're all mm. connected, we all depend on each other. Everyone depends on everyone else for their existence in, in a way. Everything depends on everything. Everything's mm. interrelated. So we need to maybe move away from this sense of a separate I or ego and think of it more as the whole, mm. that we're all, we're all related, we're all interconnected, so let's help each other. It's profound because that was a question I was was burning in me as well was the relationship with self and the collective and yeah. how it's like you know fundamentally even with the inspired evolution you know like I'm trying to I'm inspired to evolve myself and I'm sure you know in in a much more uh, sterner fashion well, way, sterner, when, you, yeah, <laughs> when you go out for but when you go away for yeah. four years to yeah. work on yourself you yeah. know there's a there's a there's a radical shift in that you know uh, there's a lot deeper the work but you do that 
you know, it's, yeah, the it's not always it's not primarily for yourself. You know, it's, well, it's it's kind of I I always think of it as you're training in compassion for yourself and others, mm. both. When if I go off into a, a retreat or if I do any kind of spiritual practice, I'm trying to dedicate that to happiness in the world. But it, it helps me too. Of course. It's a win-win situation. Yeah. Like, we know how it feels when we're generous. You know, if you give somebody a gift, mm. you feel really good, yeah, don't you? Yeah, of course. I mean, you technically have lost something. You've given <laughs> something away, but you've actually gained more than you've lost, <laughs> you know? Because yeah. love makes you feel good. Mm. Compassion makes you feel good. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah. Whereas when we're very self-grasping and self-holding onto the self, we're not even satisfied. We're just mm. hungry all the time. So I think all spiritual practice helps ourself and others. It's yeah. a interdependent benefit. Mm. And in that, like the the hack is service, isn't it? If <laughs> and I don't want to use the word hack, but mm. it is service, isn't it? Coming service. Back to again, and again, know. service is such a depressing word, isn't it? We think service means, oh my goodness, it means I have to be like the servant, <laughs> and, and it's going to be hard work, and I won't be paid for it. And, yeah. You know, so, yeah. so service. Yeah, I mean, service can mean something very beautiful. Mm. But for some people, it sounds really scary, mm. the idea of sacrifice. Mm. Whereas I, I see it more as living from a place of love. If you live from a place of love, I mean, that's really great. Mm. You feel good, others feel good. And you kind of do stuff with your life that has benefit for both yourself and others. Mm. It's a win-win situation. <laughs> That's the thing. You've got to do a win-win. There's no point. Enough, nothing else works. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. And so on this journey of like, is that is that like compassion and love and again and again, like, you know, we discuss this in like service, but also compassion and love keep interfacing with those? Is that the journey to yeah. keep learning and keep I studying? I think so. I think so. And I think there's a danger with mindfulness practice when it becomes too dry just about you know just focus on your breathing be present and try and calm down and have less stress and when i say danger all i mean is that you're maybe not going deep enough going deeper means to to have a sense that you're doing that for the purpose of bringing happiness to the world mm. there's a purpose there like the other day i mentioned that you could start a simple 5 minute meditation with an intention of love Mm. I'm doing this for others as well as myself. And then you could end your meditation with, may this benefit others as well as myself. So mm. you're, you're directing the practice down the road of compassion training. Yeah, the selflessness and wraps back into the forgiveness almost as yeah. well because there's so much that we probably wouldn't want to share with other people mm. because if we have those troubles letting go of things mm. to then, you know, let that go in that fashion mm. as well. Um, what is, what is, what, what like fundamentally, what inspires you to keep going on this path? Is mm. it the people that are still in need or, you know, what's like, what's going on there? Like, cause you've been at this for, for quite some time mm. and there's a lot of, as we've discussed, there's a lot of work that goes in, I want to say behind the scenes, but mm. literally like on the self, mm. um, for the benefit of the self and others. Like what keeps fueling that? Well, I'm, I'm fueled by a sense of, um, a journey mm. and I'm on this journey of spiritual growth. And that's, that's the choice I've made. And I, I'm going to walk this path and 
I I also I believe in reincarnation, so I don't I don't have uh, I have a long term view. I don't think I'm going to get <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get enlightened in this life. It's going to take many many lives, but I mm-hmm. feel I'm sort of walking a path that mm-hmm. I can pick up in the next life maybe. Mm-hmm. And so that sense of a journey keeps me going. A sense of commitment. I've made a commitment to this training, and I want to I want to see it through and carry it through. And a commitment to others. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the definition of a monk really is somebody who gives up their own self-interest or comfort to serve others. And I find that really um, enriching. It doesn't feel like I'm losing anything or sacrificing anything. Mm. It's really enriching. And yeah, I definitely feel inspired by helping others. I feel inspired by people telling me that they've started meditating and it's helped them to be mm. less irritable with their children or their Mm. partner or at work and so I feel okay great we're producing another drop of peace in this world Mm. and I love that and I also love um, bringing mindfulness into situations where you wouldn't find it Mm. I mean as you know I've taught in really strange Mm. situations like on movie sets or in prisons or hospitals places where you don't normally imagine spiritual practice would happen so i'm inspired by bringing these practices into every situation Mm. so that it becomes part of our culture Mm. that is happening it is it is happening isn't it definitely is yeah even i feel going into australia on construction sites like the australian is a typical like when you look from the outside in, the stereotype is like quite brutish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you go to the construction site and again, even more brutish, brute squared. And then you go in with meditation and they're so receptive. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what it's you're doing incredible. because you're, you're in the situation where you normally wouldn't find it. Mm. And yeah. you're, getting, you're, you're getting results. Well, the fascinating thing is people generally have a conversation and like, that's amazing what you're doing. Like, they must not be super receptive. You must be doing a lot of work. And right. I'm just like, no, they're, yeah. they're just like, and I'm sure you interface with this yeah. way more than yeah. I have humbly. Yeah. Um, but they're human beings, total, yeah. like total yeah. human beings, you know, and it's like, maybe there is a bravado, but that's just like, as soon as oh, you scratch the surface I know just what a you little mean. bit, there's just that, there's so much mm. more waiting to bubble because there's been this, you know, shut down of like just sure. maintaining appearances. No, people, my friends say this to me as well. When they hear that I go into some quite hardcore banks or law firms and mm. the people in the boardroom in their suits coming to my class, mm. they, people, my friends often say, well, how, how do you get through to them? Do you have to kind of break through a lot of misconceptions? No. <laughs> yeah. You just open your mouth and start talking about yeah. human experience and they're all, yeah, resonating with they were it. Waiting Everyone to. <laughs> wants to know how to yeah. have a happier mind. Mm. Everyone wants that. Can I ask? Is there like there is there is something shifting collectively though? I I, I don't know. Like I try not to, um, I try not to get too like out there <laughs> and try and keep it as like grounded as possible. But it feels like the fact like we're having this conversation um, and we're sharing this. And there's plenty of people listening to this, and you know, there's your work going across and. I managed to I managed to make a living out of you know supporting people on construction sites through meditation rather than being managed like construction site management. Um, there is a trend of something Absolutely. shifting. Absolutely, is there not? yeah. The fact that mindfulness practice is now accepted in governments, yeah. schools, hospitals—it's become so mainstream. Mm. So there is this shift towards. Um, mental training, mental development, spirituality, whatever mm. you want to call it. And 
I mean, I feel this in myself. I've, I've been wearing these robes for 25 years and I've just noticed people's reactions. Mm. You know, 25 years ago, people looked at me like I was a freak when I walked mm. down the street. Now I, I walk down the street and people come up to me and say, Oh, can you tell me how to meditate? <laughs> you know, so they know what yeah. this represents and they know it's something healthy and useful mm. and they want to learn about it. Mm. Um, and obviously it doesn't have to be the robes. There are many mindfulness teachers who are not monks or not even Buddhist, but mm. everyone wants to know. And yeah. so there is this growth that in a way, I think there's a, the world's, the, the stress levels in the world are getting worse but mm. also the solution. So the, the problem is worse and the solution is also present to an equal level. The, mm. the worse the stress, the more the solution comes up as an option. I'm going to use some language that's kind of probably not the most appropriate, but do you feel like there's a challenge that mindfulness isn't the sexiest thing? Well, what do we mean by sexy? Maybe to do with fast results. Yeah, I think you that's, know, because a lot of corporates, yeah. like, you know, there's there's a lot, like this work, it speaks for itself, you know, bringing mindfulness and meditation into, like, I know it's all about uh, spirituality at the end of the day, um, and that journey is infinite and lifelong, and then some lives again more. Mm. Um, but trying to support people through their like through their stresses, like we said, the problems yeah. are increasing. Yeah. Um, but then even then, there's bought, like there is still resistance points yeah. in the communities. Um, like, what is that resistance? Like, is it just because it's, it's well, it's, re- it's okay. packaged in religion or sure. something? Sure. So, I'm sure there's, uh, there, sure there's, there's resistance to religion. There's resistance to even spirituality, which mm. is fine because often I go into a company just to talk about stress reduction, mm. and I'm not, I haven't got some kind of secret agenda that I want to turn them all into spiritual people. Mm. I don't, I don't know what the definition of spiritual is anyway. You know, mm. I mean, I just think people. People learning to take responsibility for their own minds, that's spirituality, you know? <laughs> it's not about some floaty experience or rainbows or anything. It's just about looking at your mind. So if I walk into a company and say, right, let's talk about stress. This is what happens to your brain when you're stressed. This is what mindfulness will do for you. Mm. It's neuroscience. And yeah. people are really excited to hear that. Mm. So there's no resistance there. Yeah. Um, but to go back to your original point that people think it's not, you know, is it sexy or not sexy? I think one of the things is people are addicted to getting a quick result from things. Mm-hmm. And that is the challenge with mindfulness. Mm-hmm. There's no quick fix. Mm-hmm. You can't sit down and do 10 minutes of meditation and then feel great. Mm-hmm. It's like going to the gym or going swimming or running. You've got to put the work in and mm-hmm. it requires commitment. And so that's where people do struggle in that they want fast results and they won't get them. But people struggle like that with exercise and dieting as well. It's That's mm. that's the sad truth of reality <laughs> is that you've got to put some work in to get good results. Mm. And that's a struggle for everyone. Um, I think the other thing is we are, as a culture, a little bit too into feeling something all the time, like sensory stimulation. You know, we watch movies that are really kind of like fast-moving imagery. We want to feel our senses are ramped up. Mm. We drink lots of coffee. We eat lots of sugar. Mm. There's this sort of uh, always this need to feel some excitement, mm. uh, almost like sensory sensory stimulation. Mm. So then when people practice meditation, they look for the same thing. Mm. 
Mm. You know, they sit down to meditate and they, they, they think, right, when am I going to feel great mm. or have some kind of vision or like a light bulb going off in my head? Mm. When is it going to work? Mm. And they think work, it, it, it works if you are going to feel like you, like you're on drugs or something. You know? <laughs> they think that's what they're looking for. Yeah. And so people do have to break through that and just learn to be satisfied with the moment. Mm. And discover a different kind of joy. I mean, mm. what is joy? Joy isn't necessarily about feeling like you're going to uh, fly through the ceiling. Joy is about real peace and contentment, which at first sounds really boring for people. Mm. I, when, when before I was, um, a monk, some of my friends were meditating and I used to say, well, that's really boring. I'll meet you in the bar afterwards because <laughs> I thought peace must be really boring. Yeah. But I'm discovering that through moments of mindfulness throughout the day, you can feel really at peace and really your mind feels pleasant. It feels comfortable. That's really good. Mm. But you're not grasping after a high. You're just learning to be satisfied in the moment. So that's a, that's a challenge in our culture, isn't it? Mm. We're not really a culture of satisfaction, are we? Mm. We're a culture of striving. Yeah. yeah. And it's got to feel good. Mm. So mindfulness is all about non-judgmental awareness of the moment whatever that moment is mm. so that doesn't feel very sexy does it mm. but actually it's amazing it's the antidote <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really wonderful yeah but it's it's hard to package that as something that's going to make you feel great mm. you know people people think it might be like a spa treatment and they'll mm. feel good afterwards it's not mm. but i think it's like exercise everyone knows that with exercise you've got to put the work in and yeah it's not exactly fun going on a treadmill or lifting weights, but people do it and they get results, but slowly. Yeah. Yeah. And over time, it completely changes your life. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. I could, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you all day. <laughs> like, time is just an illusion right now. Um, so in the essence of, of uh, wrapping things up at some point, um, is there a message in your heart that is really dear to you? That is. I think one thing is this whole notion of choice. I think people don't realize that they have a choice in terms of how to feel, how mm. to feel and how to think. Pe people are kind of driven, driven around by their thoughts and feelings. You know, like suddenly sadness comes up or depression or worry or anger, and they feel choiceless. They feel like they don't know how to deal with this. Mm. But the, I want people to realize that you can you have a choice to feel differently about your reality. Mm. Even if something horrible is happening, even if you're horribly sick or terrible things are happening, you still, if, if you know how to practice mindfulness, you know how to activate that choice of acceptance, tolerance, forgiveness, mm. love, all of those things, even in dark situations. Mm. And I want people to know that no. <laughs> because that's the answer, isn't it? Amazing. You can't control the world around you, but you can totally control your reactions to that world. Mm. But you've got to have a method, mm. and, and mindfulness is a great method. It's incredible. I mm. just uh, thank you so much for sharing that. For thank the, you. Um, yeah, the whole, the biggest, one of the biggest pieces, there's so many pieces to mm. the mindfulness, um, but one of the biggest pieces is learning from a place of greater response rather than reaction as yeah. well, just through cultivating observation. There's, there's, there's got to be that space, hasn't yeah, there? Yeah, totally. Because otherwise we just react without even knowing we've reacted. Mm. Almost like, like a trigger. It's, or, or like a, it's like an automatic programming. Mm. Say you're stuck in traffic and then you get wound up. You're not planning that reaction, mm. but it just happens. So you've got to create that gap. And I think mm. that's what 
meditation brings is that ability just to stand back and choose. It's such a gift. Yeah. It's such an amazing gift. And talking about gifts, thank you so much thank for you. your time thank today, Tupton. It's been it's been really amazing. Thank I really you. enjoyed myself. Here. I've enjoyed it too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not just today as well. I really want to give gratitude. I know maybe the past is just an illusion, but all the work that goes into, you know, informing the processes, all the work you do diligently on yourself thank you. and not just for yourself, but for us as well. Thank so, you. Thank you so much for that. And the future, whatever it holds, blessings. And to you. Yeah, I hope everything you. goes well for you. <laughs> thank you. Um, for those that want to reach out or be more informed of the work that, yourself is doing how mm. is the best way to reach out to Tupton? well probably to look at my app i've mm. got a mindfulness app that's called samten samten can S- you spell that s-a-m-t-e-n sam like sam the yeah. name and 10 as in number 10 awesome it actually means meditation in tibetan ah. it's not a tibetan buddhist app it's it's very much mindfulness yeah. but i wanted to give it that flavor sure in the name so samten is an app that's out there now and people can download it and use it on their phones and it's basically videos every Mm. day there's a a new teaching Mm. from me giving some five or ten minute exercises with a sense of training Mm. a sense of a journey like you have a 30-day challenge and then you have different modules and courses so people can check me out on there oh what a (laughs) blessing there you go thank you so much for all the work you put into all of this hey tribe thanks for tuning in to another fun enlightening episode of the inspired evolution I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health, and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is www.amrit-sandu.com. You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect, so I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to the Inspired Evolution, or the Facebook page, like that please, at the Inspired Evolution, or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you, or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to www.amrit-sandu.com to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 